I have had, this is your mission months, I gather. Focus today, I know you're involved in all kinds of local mission, which is terrific. The focus today is global and overseas mission, just because it is, but that's not to discount anything else. Um, I have had a little bit of experience as a CMS missions partner, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about that to give some context. But since returning to New Zealand, I've also had some involvement a bit on the sending side on the CMS Council. So I want to say a bit about how we can support our mission partners and the communities they work with um, in this rather challenging COVID season. I'm actually quite pleased that today's lectionary reading was from the Book of Jonah, because in one particular respect, I identify a bit with Jonah, and that's in feeling like a very unlikely uh, mission partner. As I said earlier, I came to a, a real Christian faith in my university years, but mission Overseas mission was nowhere on my radar at that point. I was kind of a shy, geeky, ancient languages major, and I thought mission was for the people who were really enthusiastic, um, or the people who had specialist skills like doctors or teachers or evangelists or whatever. So it wasn't on my radar. But over time, I became aware of the work of Bible translation, of Wycliffe Bible translators. And over time, it occurred to me that maybe my geeky language skills could be useful in the process of making scriptures available in a minority language. It's just occurred to me this is appropriate for Maori Language Week. Um, and, and that, that prospect became slightly less terrifying and slightly more appealing, and I made some faltering steps in that direction. And a few years later, I found myself signed up with CMS and seconded to Wycliffe Bible Translators and bound for Papua New Guinea, a country I knew almost nothing about at that point, but over the next close to 18 years, came to love very much. And I just want to give you a little bit of pictorial... Um, uh, focus on that just for some context but I don't know how to work this and that's yes I do okay so I worked for a few years in a language called Mycin spoken by about two or three thousand people uh, in the north coast of PNG and I was partnered with partnered up in that work with um with a American woman called Marisa, who became a good, a good friend, and both of our hair colour has changed a bit in the ensuing years, and also partnered up with some really gifted Mycin, just pushing the buttons doesn't do it, does it? Mycin, oh yeah, sorry about the animation, I should have taken that out, but so you slowly get to see three wonderful Mycin men, one of whom sadly has died, but who are wonderful translators. And, um, and we were also partnered up with the welcoming Mycin community, and pushing the button still doesn't work. Yes, it does. And <laughs> and um, so this was a steep... I'd never had any cross-cultural experience, so this was a steep, but... And it takes several goes. Oh, and rich learning curve for me. Um, and actually, over the last few years I was in the country, I was also... Um, we're involved in a town-based multi-language programme that worked a bit differently but was a lot of fun. So that's just a little bit about my, my own mission context. Um, a couple more reasons why the Jonah reading is appropriate today. One's really trivial. Jonah happened to be the first... can go on to the blank one. Oh, yeah, thanks. Um, Jonah happened to be the very first complete book of scripture that I had a part in helping translate into the Mycenae language. There was no deep theological reason why we chose Jonah. It was a short book. It was narrative, which is easier for cutting your teeth on um, than um, epistles or prophecy or poetry or something. And it was kind of it had a sea story in it, so it was kind of relevant to people who are living by the sea. But the other less trivial reason that I really like the story of Jonah, and it rings true with my experience of mission, but I think it's true involved in any kind of ministry, actually, is that you see God 
at work throughout that book on two levels at one and the same time. So on what I kind of call like the macro level, he, God is, has this great purpose of recalling the Nineveh people back into relationship with him, and, and Jonah gets used in that purpose, um, amazingly, since in, uh, during the story I don't see one bit where he ever evinces any empathy or goodwill or charity towards the Nineveh people, but he still gets used. Um, but at the same time that God's using Jonah to recall the Nineveh people to him, he's also intimately involved with with Jonah himself all the way through. He's challenging his attitudes. He's calling him to obedience. He's dealing with him on a one-to-one. Um, and I think that's the way, way God works. I think it's true of all ministry, really. When I think of, for example, my own time in P&G, I'd like to think that you know I had a tiny, tiny part in God's overall purpose of bringing the scriptures to the languages of P&G. I hope that might be true in a tiny way. But I know for a fact that it was transformational in God dealing with me and pulling me out of my comfort zone and making me more reliant on him and challenging some, like Jonas, some pretty ugly attitudes and all those kind of things. And so um, I, I love the fact that, that that's dovetailed, that at one and the same time, God chooses to involve us in accomplishing his purposes in, in the world or our own community or our workplace or whatever. Um, but but he's also dealing with us very personally and transforming us at the same time. And I suspect for our current mission partners that deepening individual work is particularly focused in this year. That's been Well, it's been challenging for lots of things, but it's been very challenging for mission partners, some of whom have had to return to New Zealand, some of whom have made costly decisions to stay, some of whom are in a kind of limbo at the moment waiting to see what happens. So I want to say a little bit in the remaining time I have about how we can best support our mission partners and the communities they are working and partnering with in this climate. And first and foremost, I want to encourage us to see our mission partners as a kind of gift that help us to keep our focus outward on the good that God's doing in the world and not let COVID kind of eclipse everything. And I know that's a danger for me. A few months ago, I was in an enrolment queue at the university. I was signing up for a part-time Tereo course, actually, and I had to show some ID. So I brought my passport with me, and I pulled it out while I was standing in the queue, and I looked at it, and I thought, if someone were to ask me right now, what is my most precious earthly possession, it would be this passport. I have never been as grateful for my Kiwi citizenship as I have in recent months. And I'm probably not the only person in the room that feels like that. And I think that's appropriate. I think we've been hugely blessed in the way we've been able to negotiate the crisis so far. But I also sense there's a bit of a danger there for me that as our country, quite for good reasons, kind of pulls up the drawbridge, that it's easy for me to do that too and to kind of pull back and want to be in the safe bubble and keep the world out there really and that's when um, I think it's really helpful to be reminded that God is active in this broken world with a bigger agenda than just smashing COVID and that amidst fires and hurricanes and pandemics uh, he's at work for good in ways that don't capture the media quite so much and we can have a part in that and, and so I find it helpful to be reminded of people like Nick and Tessa whom I know this parish has generously supported who are extending medical services in rural Uganda, or Jolene and her team who are sharing Christian faith with refugee women and children in the Middle East, or Liz, again another person right from right here in Christchurch who's promoting Christian education in Pakistan, and actually Liz is really tied up with this Mirpakas hostel project that we've been encouraged to partner with and um, I commend that to you. I think it's a great practical immediate need that we can help and meet that can have a big impact. But I won't say more about it because I think you're going to hear more about it from the horse's mouth before the end of the service. So I'll leave that. Oh, next week. Are you? Oh, well, the early service has had it today. I'm sorry. But <laughs> okay. But anyway, I do commend that project to you. It's, it's, a, it's a great need and it's an immediate one. 
Um, so, but basically, I just want to say, allow our mission partners, especially any that you might have a personal connection with or a parish connection with, to be a little window, a source of hope, a reminder of the good that is happening that goes under the radar of the disasters that tend to monopolise our headlines. But the second thing I want to say is to encourage you to pray for our mission partners more than ever and encourage them when you have opportunity. This has been a strange year for mission. I'm speaking from a CMS perspective because that's the context I know best. I'm sure it's true for other agencies. But there have been mission partners who've had to come back because of COVID, either because it's in such a bad way in the country they are in their own compromised health situation, or in the case of some young families because it's just been unsustainable to, to do ministry and to care for young children in a really, really stringent lockdown situation. At the same time, there's been many who have been able to stay where they are, but it's more isolating for them in a lockdown or semi-lockdown situation, and there's a bit more cost. Some of you may know Neil Dunbar. He's, a, he's another mission partner from here in Christchurch, uh, based in working in Cambodia. About three months ago, his dad died quite suddenly. And under normal circumstances, if anyone has, can remember what normal circumstances are these days, he would have wanted to come back for that funeral, but with a, at least a two-week quarantine either direction. That wasn't feasible for him. So there's just a, a bit more cost for some of our mission partners these days. There are others who had been recently accepted by CMS and were rearing to go, but have had to put those plans on hold and are now in a kind of limbo. Um, so... So they need our encouragement and our prayer. And if, you're, if you support a mission partner, either, again, individually or as a parish, and you're in a position to continue that, I'd really encourage you to do so. Don't think just because they're back for now, they don't need it anymore. They, they really do need it more than ever. I think it's been especially hard for those who had just got going when they had to return. Um, and, I, and I can think of people at both ends of the spectrum. Um, there's a woman called Diane Bailey who's been working in the Philippines, um, CMS mission partner for 43 years. And um, I love the story because she went out about 43 years ago with $10 in her pocket, I think. And a few months ago, through some circumstances that only God could have orchestrated, she got to come back in a private jet. <laughs> I just love that. But at the same time, there's Zane and Karen Elliott, whom again, some of you know, who have been preparing, they've been spent time in the UK, they've spent time doing language study, they've got to Jakarta with their young family at the beginning of this year, ready to launch into ministry, which they did for about two months, and then they were put in a really strict lockdown. And after even more than more time in the lockdown than they'd had in the, in the pre-lockdown ministry, it was unsustainable for them with small children to, to, to carry on the ministry there and, and care for their children adequately. So they made a very wise but gut-wrenching decision to come back. Um, and they're continuing their ministry remotely and wondering if they'll be able to go back. And that's not an easy place to be. And I'm at the risk of taking this morning's gospel reading a little bit out of context, but I think the principle applies. I want to suggest to you that both our, our Diane Bailey and our Zane and Karen Elliott are equally worthy of our honour and our encouragement and our support. The one had been in the vineyard, so to speak, for 40 years. The other just got there and then the kind of the time gong sounded for them to finish. But um, both of them had made themselves freely available to the keeper of the vineyard, and I know the Elliots would love to go back. Um, I want to, I'm going to finish in a moment, but I want to, I want to, I want to just commend to you one really practical way, hooray, it did come up first time, um, that you can engage with mission partners. This is fairly new, it's something that started during lockdown on a weekly basis, it's now monthly, the last Thursday of the month, one hour, five to six, on Zoom, which, you know, we may not love Zoom, but most of us since the lockdown know how to do it, and you can, um, you can do that thing where you don't, you know, you turn off the video so you can be preparing dinner and still listening, you know, if you don't want to be seen. But it's a great way, it's, it's mission partners engaging together, and they've 
they've tackled some really knotty questions. They've talked about some issues of poverty. They've talked about the question of should we even still be sending missionaries. They've talked about how do we avoid imposing culture on, you know, when we share the gospel. This week it's about the Kiwi dream versus the kingdom of God values. I think it'll be cool. So if, you're, if the, the link is on the CMS Facebook page or website. So if you're free at that time, I really commend that to you. It's just a way, and you get a feel for who the mission partners are as they engage in real time on some, some real issues. Uh, I don't, I, I think global mission is going to be quite different post-COVID. I don't know exactly how. I'm not a missiologist and I'm not a prophet. Um, but what I can tell you is that Following Jesus and extending God's love across cultures in both directions, in all directions, is going to be as relevant as and necessary as ever. Um, so kind of on behalf of CMS, I want to thank you as a parish for your, your part in, in supporting and supporting people like, like Liz and like the um, Nick and Tess in Uganda and just encourage you to continue that. Thank you very much.